You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to the Brandy Show. Hi, everybody. I'm Jim Brandstatter, and this is my podcast. We'll get together every week to talk about football, primarily the University of Michigan Wolverines and the Big Ten Conference, with occasional forays into the national picture. We'll also keep up with the Detroit Lions and the NFL. Along the way, we'll have some surprises. We'll certainly have some fun guests and take a tangent or two that has nothing to do with football, like old movies or cooking. Who knows what? Sit back and relax and enjoy The Brandy Show. Hey, gang, it's bowl season and awards season in college football. It's good to have you along on The Brandy Show. We'll talk about the bowls. We'll talk about the awards, especially the University of Michigan. And the Lions get a win. Uh, they have moved to a fantastic 5-8 and eight record. Uh, did you get that? Fantastic 5-8? and eight? Don't mind the sarcasm. But 5-8 and eight is not exactly where you want to be. But you know what? They won. So let's give them credit. Urban Meyer retires. Imagine that. The head coach at Ohio State retires after a very difficult year, but a huge win over Michigan. I'll get to that, and we'll talk a little bit about his retiring and what that means to college football and what it means to Ohio State University. The NFL is headed toward their playoff season, and who's got a shot at the Super Bowl? I only see, really, three or four teams that have Super Bowl pedigrees in what we have seen this season around the NFL. I think I'm also going to talk about the officiating in the league. The other night on a Monday night game, you saw a Seattle player actually put his hands on his own player, got over the line of scrimmage, and blocked a field goal attempt. That's illegal. No flag was thrown. Actually, a flag was thrown, and they picked it up. And that was illegal. And the officiating in the NFL has caused real problems. The league is suffering, in my opinion, from... Officials being not right on top of it. And that's not the only one. There have been other games and other calls that has affected the outcome. And that should not happen in the National Football League. We're also going to talk to Yahoo sports columnist Dan Wetzel. He'll join us and he's ready to reform the college football playoff system. And folks, I think he's right. And we'll have much more with Dan. Actually, Dan's got so many great topics to talk about. Some of the things I was going to talk about here in the opening segment, I think I'm going to back off on and let Dan join me. But we do have facts, legends, and lore, and we're going to talk to you today about The Rock in Ann Arbor. That is our facts, legends, and lore feature and our holiday recipe today. Yes, you get a recipe. Aren't you lucky? It's our smoked salmon dip with a surprise ingredient. How do you like that? That's coming up, so stay with us. Right now, let's go to the Lions in the NFL. Lions win over Arizona 17 to 3. Now, the Lions go to 5 and 8 and Arizona goes to 3 and 10. Now, give the Lions credit. It's hard to win in the National Football League, okay? And so you never poo-poo a win. A win is a win, but the truth of the matter if you watch that football game, you could have been mowing your lawn cuz it was not really exciting at 3 to nothing at halftime. It was man, I don't know how you stayed awake. But the Lions won the game, and and that's important. They're struggling offensively, but remember, they have no weapons. Uh, Matthew Stafford was 15 of 23 for 101 yards. And here's the no weapons part. Eight of those 15 completions were to a running back or a tight end. Not a wide receiver in the bunch. And that just, in my opinion, is not the way you play football in a passing league in the National Football League. Just two passes. For five yards to their number one wide receiver, Kenny Galladay. 
That's just not going to work. But again, remember, no weapons. They have no Golden Tate, no Marvin Jones, no Carrion Johnson. T.J. Lang is gone from the offensive line. Wiggins and Crosby are playing, and those guys were backups. So, believe me, against Arizona, it was good enough. But against the really good teams, it's not going to be good enough. Now, defensively, against the Arizona Cardinals, the Lions were good. I mean, they were the ones that scored the first touchdown. Uh, Darius Slay on an interception return. Jared Davis, middle linebacker, he is very good. And they're getting him into the rush game and rush the passer. I think he's good there. He still has some pass coverage issues. And I think the most improved player is Ashawn Robinson. Ashawn up front for the Lions has been very good, and I think he's gotten better as the year's gone on. Now, going forward, and I want to talk about this before we get to the end of the season. Everybody's all over Matthew Stafford, the quarterback of the Lions. What are you going to do with him? What are you going to do going forward, okay? I was going to go on and on about this in this segment, but I'm going to wait till Dan Wetzel gets here, our guest, and talk about that because really what we need to talk about is at the Lions, five and eight, they're not going to the playoffs. So right now the conversation has to turn to 2019. And where do you go with this football team? Ziggy Ansah's not going to be around, I don't think. He couldn't play this year a full 16 games. So you lose one of your better pass rushers. That, to me, is going to be an interesting uh, conversation with Dan Wetzel on where do you go with the Detroit Lions when you head into the offseason. Also, from that game in Arizona, I really felt sorry for Larry Fitzgerald, really one of the great receivers in the National Football League, playing for an awful team in the Arizona Cardinals. This guy is their all-time leader in receptions for the same team in all of the National Football League. And yet at the end of the game, when they had no shot, this guy was still in the game, still playing hard. What a pro. If any of you out there are a young guy and you want to see what a guy that is a professional does and how he handles himself, how he handles his business, take a look at the end of the Lions-Arizona game from this weekend. And watch Larry Fitzgerald. This guy is a Hall of Famer. He's playing on a lousy football team, and yet he never let his effort fall off. He was making catches. He was working hard. That's what a pro does. Anybody who wants to know what it's like, what, how you aspire to be as a football player, as a professional, as anything really, watch that example of Larry Fitzgerald. Let's look at the NFL playoffs now. How about the Bears? They beat the Rams. I did not think that was going to happen. Big win. The Bears, I think, are going to make the playoffs, clearly, probably as NFC North Division champions. And and in my opinion, you don't want the Bears in Chicago in a playoff game. If they got home field all the way through the playoffs, which I don't think they will, they will be tough. Otherwise, in the NFC, I see the Saints and the Rams as the best in the NFC, even though the Rams got beat by Chicago. Uh, I see the Saints and the Rams as the two teams playing for the NFC Championship. And the Rams may have to go to New Orleans to play them because New Orleans beat them early in the year. You do not want to play the Saints in New Orleans. But I think that's what you got. Uh, Other than that, the Cowboys and Bears, they're playing their best football at the end of the season, and that's really good. The Seahawks are dangerous, but I think only dangerous when they're at home in Seattle playing. Uh, They can play defense, but offensively they're struggling a bit. The Vikings, Panthers, Eagles, Redskins – Redskins have no chance. They're on their third quarterback. So even though their record shows they're quote-unquote in the hunt, they're not. Color them gone. The Bucks, Giants, and Lions, forget it. They're not in the playoff chase. Now, in the AFC, 
The Patriots lose to Miami in that crazy, weird play at the end of the game. I don't know how many of you saw it, but that was a miracle. And the Patriots' loss is huge because it puts the Patriots on the road, most likely, versus Kansas City for the AFC Championship game. And as much as I love Tom Brady from Michigan, and as much as I think that guy can win pretty much anywhere, you are playing Kansas City in Kansas City, the kind of year Patrick Mahomes is having, you're going to have a problem. The other dark horse, and and I know you're going to call me nuts, but I've been called nuts before. I get it. The Chargers, they're 10-3. and Phillip Rivers is having a most valuable player year. He is. And I think the Chargers in the AFC are a team that could be a dark horse. They went on the road and they beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, okay? Had no right to do it, but they did. So I think uh, look out for the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Those are the teams I see in the playoffs. Uh, in the NFC, I think it's the Saints, Rams. And in the uh, AFC, I think it's Kansas City and uh, New England with a dark horse being uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. Moving on to college football, uh, it appears as though Karan Higdon will be joining Rashawn Gary for Michigan, and they're not going to play in the Peach Bowl game. Now, these are both seniors. They're both headed on to the National Football League. People have asked me, what's my take on players not playing in their bowl game, seniors who won't play for their team, because an injury could hurt their chances to go on to the NFL. Look, I get it. I understand. It's just the world we live in. Now, for the record, I would like to tell everybody I would prefer that they played, but I understand why they don't. And ultimately, let's talk about what college is all about, right? College is about learning, understanding, teaching, getting yourself ready to move on into the real world to your career. And these guys, Rashawn Gary and Karan Higdon, are moving on to their career, and their career probably is going to be in the National Football League. And where else can you get a starting salary entry level? of like two hundred fifty dollars to $400,000. That doesn't happen very often. And so you don't want to put that in jeopardy. And they have a family to think of. Karan, for instance, has a little girl. So he has a family that he's got to consider. And so I get it. I understand why players who have gone through their entire career decide in the last game, because of the possibility of injury, to back off that game and wait for the draft because – To them, that's their future, and it could very well be their livelihood and their career. I get it. I also know how the heartstrings that worked for me pulled me. When I was a senior, there's no way that I would let that class that I came into school with go play without me. But again, I wasn't going to be a National Football League player. I wasn't going to go in the first round and get a 3 or $4 million signing bonus. There's a difference. Money makes a difference. It's the world we live in. So thank you, Karan, and thank you, Rashawn. You guys did a great job. You played well for us. Um, you wore the winged helmet proudly, and we're glad that you're part of the Wolverine Nation now. We wish you well in your next career. Yeah, I'd love to see you in the Peach Bowl, but I understand why you're not there. It doesn't make you a bad guy, in my opinion. Um, and I hope that the guys that do play, if Devin Bush plays, Chase Winovich, the rest of them that are going to go on playing the National Football League, I hope they play and have a safe game, and they enhance their draft coverage or their draft position by their play in the Peach Bowl. So that's my take on Michigan and on the uh, guys that do not play in uh, the bowl game based on their senior year. Another great story, uh, Urban Meyer retired. Uh, Did anybody get that one? 
Did you, did you see that one in the newspapers recently? <laughs> the head coach of Ohio State, who was under fire all season long because uh, he was basically an enabler to a domestic abuse guy who was his an assistant coach for six years. Uh, the Ohio State University, a lot of the people in that university did not think that his three-game suspension at the beginning of the year was enough. And all year long, there was this undercurrent about that suspension and about Urban Meyer and the kind of reputation and uh, narrative it was bringing to The Ohio State University. A lot of people out there didn't like it. A lot of people felt that it was dragging the university through the mud with all of the implications in regards to Meyer and how he handled it. And, and how he handled it, look, I'm just telling you the facts here. I am not telling you things that uh, you know weren't already talked about in a report that Ohio State generated by themselves and, and past events that went on at Ohio State. For instance, uh, Carlos Hyde, who played for Ohio State, he got a three-game suspension. When there was video evidence showing Hyde slapping a woman at a bar, but Urban Meyer said, three games, you're done. Uh, he did nothing to a star player. Percy Harvin, Harvin, of course, played at Florida, who attacked one of his assistant coaches. Uh, Urban Meyer doesn't lie. He misrepresents facts. Um, the details of things, maybe he doesn't remember them because he's on a medication. Uh, he had text messages. This was reported. This stuff is not something I'm making up here. He asked the director of football operations on the football field, hey, do you know how I can clear old text messages from my phone if I wanted to? Well, that was in response to some of the text messages that he had got regarding Zach Smith and the problems that they had with the domestic abuse from, uh, from Zach Smith in the early part of the uh, Ohio State season. And at the end of the year, because of all this, Urban Meyer decided, I'm going to go. Well, does that sound familiar? Because history repeats itself in many ways. And in this instance, it repeated itself because in Florida, there was the same thing. Urban Meyer had real problems with his health, but his program had begun to spiral away from him. And it was because of bad actions. Aaron Hernandez, again, one of those guys that later on, as a tight end in the National Football League, was actually indicted and charged and found guilty of murder. That was a player that played under Urban Meyer at Florida. Uh, all those things kind of forget uh, or, or don't remember that Urban Meyer was the coach there when those things went on. So it's about what he did off the field more than anything, and I agree with that because off the field I think coaches got to build character. Coaches have to represent their university and their employer in a positive light, and I don't think Urban Meyer did that, to be quite frank. I don't think he did it, and I think all the preponderance of evidence goes to the fact that Urban Meyer in many ways enabled a lot of bad guys to get out there and create more bad situations. And he didn't take control of those guys because it was a win-at-all-cost kind of mentality. Now, as a coach, there is no argument. The guy is as good as they get. His record at Ohio State, 82-9. and He never lost to Michigan. He had three national titles at Florida and Ohio State. There's no question the guy can coach. Flat-out coach. I've got no issues, no argument with that at all. But at what cost? And I think that's where the Ohio State people... Uh, especially those who had the undercurrent of, you know, we don't want this great university dragged through the mud with the kind of trouble that we have in the wake of Urban Meyer 
and his handling of Zach Smith. But not just Zach Smith. It goes back. There's more things that have happened in the past that he's got to be you know, accountable for. And, and yet his wins seem to make everybody think he's the great guy. I don't think it's a win-at-all-cost society. I'm not part of that. But I think at Ohio State there are many people that don't care. They would just rather beat Michigan. To me, that's the short-sighted approach. I remember Jerry Hanlon talking to us, the former Michigan assistant coach, on our podcast we did live from Carl's Cabin. He said, we talked about a recruiting class and what makes a recruiting class great. And he said, what makes a recruiting class great is in 10, 12 years when they're done, are they good fathers? Are they good citizens? Are they good people? Are they good in the community? That's what makes a great recruiting class. And from Urban Meyer's standpoint, I don't think you can say that. So from that perspective, I think Urban's got his problems. And uh, he retired this week. Don't, he said, I don't think I'll ever coach again. Don't be sure of that. I think in a couple of years, if a good job comes up, Urban Meyer will find his way back to coaching. Probably not in the NFL, but he might very well go on and coach in college football. By the way, um, I said a lot of the same stuff on episode three. Uh, so I kind of called this whole deal back uh, on episode three here at the Brandy Show. So make sure you go back if you want to and listen to that if what I just said wasn't enough. Let's go to facts, legends, and lore. We're going to paint the rock. You know all about that? Uh, painting the rock in Ann Arbor. At some point in the four years kids attended people, uh, kids attended Michigan, most students will paint the rock. It's located on the corner of Hill Street and Washtenaw. Anyone in the Ann Arbor area knows that what's painted on the rock changes from day to day or sometimes hour to hour. Now, here's the, the legend and fact part of it. The rock was originally placed at the corner of Hill and Washtenaw back in 1932, and it was a monument to commemorate the bicentennial of George Washington's birth. Our acquaintances at Michigan State, yes, those Spartans actually got the ball rolling with the tradition of painting the rock when the Spartans visited Ann Arbor in the mid-50s and painted an MSU on the rock. Obviously, the Michigan students felt the need to cover that offending uh, painting, and they did that, and then painting the rock was born. Now you find students in various clubs, Greek life, or just friends painting the rock at all hours of the day and night. So that's our facts, legends, and lore. Painting the rock at Hill and Washtenaw. Get your pens and pencils out, folks, because next is our recipe of the show. I know you're all waiting for this. Take a deep breath. Don't hyperventilate. It is our holiday salmon dip, and it's from the recipe book of yours truly. Jim Branstetter, left-handed, fire-brewed, smoked salmon dip. You ready? You take eight ounces of softened cream cheese. Make sure it's softened cream cheese. Leave it out. Let it get room temperature. Take four ounces of smoked salmon. Now, here is the secret ingredient that makes this different than any other salmon dip you might have. You take two and a half ounces of chopped pistachio nuts, okay? You put those in there along with three teaspoons of lemon juice. You whip it all up together, and then you serve it on crackers. That is your holiday salmon dip. Doesn't get any better than that. And it doesn't get any better than Dan Wetzel. He is the columnist, national columnist for Yahoo Sports. Dan's coming up next. Stay with us. This is The Brandy Show. The Brandy Show is a Zing Media Group production. Zing Media Group, tell your story. Welcome back, everybody, to The Brandy Show. We are really pleased and excited to have with us today Dan Wetzel. He is the uh, 
national columnist for Yahoo Sports since 2003. You can read his stuff on yahoo.com. He is, uh, also has a sports college podcast. And at Twitter, you can get him at Dan Wetzel. Dan, it's good to have you here. Randy, appreciate you having me. Hey, listen, you're, I, you've written some stuff. I always follow you. I always watch you. I saw you on Channel 7 the other night, and I went, you know what? This guy deserves a shot on the Brandy show. See, see what the sports cave can do for it you. It does, yeah, really yeah, yeah. Your, you know. I, I, I don't tell Justin Rose that, okay? No, I, I won't tell him that I consider this a step up. Oh, God, that. save that. We're gonna put that on tape. We're gonna send it over to him. I'm glad you had nothing else to do late Sunday night. No, no, I was. I, that's why it was after it was after Michigan Ohio State, so I wanted to kind of get the fallout of all that on, stuff. Yeah. yeah, we did so, say that uh, Michigan needed Urban Meyer to retire. <laughs> And uh, we kind of had a hunch, maybe, at that point. Well, I think what happened, and, and we'll start right there, okay, because I already did my thing on Urban. I think the rumors came out about three weeks prior to the end of the season that maybe this was going to be his last game. And, and I think what happened was is from September and that suspension, which he didn't think he should have gotten, of course. his attorneys and Ohio State's attorneys and everybody else were working on some kind of a settlement so that they could extricate him, Ohio State could, from that position. Everybody saved face. And it came down to, if you beat Michigan and you don't get into the championship run, you retire on Tuesday. If you get into the championship run, you retire at the end of the championship game. And it was all set up and legally done by his attorneys and Ohio State's attorneys, and that's ultimately what came out. The first report uh, that Ryan Day had was going to su- succeed him was in late September. Like there was that first rumbling of, well, this he's going to be the coach in waiting or something. So certainly something was getting discussed then. Yeah, I think obviously as long as he had a chance. And if they were in the playoff right now, he would not be retired. Exactly. He would retire in January. But exactly. however it came, um, I think Ur- uh, Urban felt it was time. And, you know, regardless – of the of the Zach Smith uh, scandal, although these things tend to happen, he just burns out. He did six years at, at Florida and now seven at Ohio State. And no matter what you think of Urban Meyer, he is a uh, workaholic, uh, just too intense. Uh, it's unhealthy for him. He wears everyone around him out. He will win, but this is not a guy who's going to be there for 20 years. Any job he gets... <laughs> He just can't do that. So his next job will be the same thing. Six-year sprint, we're going to win probably right away. But Because uh, he had an undefeated season his first year at Ohio State. Yeah. Bull band, and at his second year at Florida, he won the national title. So you will win quickly, but it will burn out quickly. Do you think there was an undercurrent at Ohio State since September in the three-game suspension of a group of people that said, hey, this is not good for this university. Our name is being dra- dragged through the mud to some degree. Given what he's bringing, you know, what's his baggage with him as a representative, and they ultimately won out. No, I don't think that they necessarily were pushing him out because he's he can't be he couldn't be pushed out. No one had the power to do that um, unless there was a, a bigger scandal that that enveloped that that, that included him more. Uh, the school just wasn't. There was definitely fatigue on Urban Meyer. And when, when the Zach Smith scandal broke and we were dealing with the university and they had to explain 
Remember when every Friday he was issuing a new statement to explain last Friday's statement? Right. Well, he had three apologies after yeah. the report came this out. This week, I really care about domestic violence, yeah. right? And then next week, I really, I really mean it. This time, I read my. They just got tired, and the lot and the press conference, the original press conference, had so many disputable things. That was painful, and that yeah. that's why I think that whole thing started to go. You know, this is just not a good image. Well, they 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 had the first time when they announced his three game suspension. They had the press conference. Then they handed out the report. Right. And so you read the report and said, hey, everything you guys just said wasn't true. It's, it's not in here. Not everything. But a lot of it. And that's what I think there was. They did get fatigued. But he it wasn't he wasn't committing domestic violence. You know, I mean, it, he could have stayed. He could have stayed had he wanted. But I think he was looking at this and saying, I'm exhausted. Um He has an uh, oddly about Urban Meyer is he does care what people say about him. He, you would almost think not, but he actually really does care. <laughs> but his even actions, though he acts the yeah. way I don't care what you say about me. But at the end of the day, he actually does. So it was just it was time for Urban Meyer to be done, and uh, I think everyone can kind of walk off. And and you you know I don't know you you were calling the game, so you weren't there. You weren't watching on TV like the rest of us. But you know at the game they showed at the Michigan game. They show a fox on the sideline. They show Shelly Meyer and the kids, and they're all crying on the sideline during the game. Yeah. And you're like, well, this is clearly, they're like, this is going to be his last game at Ohio Stadium. This could be our last, you know, not going to be our last game at Ohio State because we're going to go on, but this is the last game at Ohio Stadium, and Urban's going to be able to walk out of here and say, Michigan never got me, and I dominated this league, uh, and and all of those things. And so you could really see it then that this was this was done. Okay. Move on to college football. You wrote a great column uh, where you said the college football playoff system doesn't need expansion. It needs reform. And I agree with you. Go through your scenario because you went over all of the games, including the conference championship games like Washington and Utah. meant nothing, nothing ultimately in the final four. And then you said, let's take those eight games. Let's take eight games. And let's make those the start of a playoff. Explain that whole thinking for college football fans. All right, so you got to look at conference championship weekend as the first round of the postseason. Okay, but is it truly conference championships? Well, they're now conference championships because if you actually looked at this year, uh, Alabama won the SEC. Right, they were eight and eight and zero, and Georgia seven and one. What's where's where's the dispute there? There is none. ACC, same thing. Pac twelve. Uh, Central Florida and the a- AAC, uh, Oklahoma won the pick. The only one was technically the Big Ten. Ohio State and Northwestern were tied with eight and one conference records, but give me a break. Okay, there was a million tiebreakers. So in any other sport, we would say, all right, we already have a champs. And the thing is, in, in essence, you're saying, okay, the conference championships are decided. Let's do away with, quote unquote, the conference championship games. Don't need them. Don't need them because the conference championship is already it's decided. College basketball's tournament, conference tournament. Okay, they're fun. They make a buck, and they're fun, but they don't mean anything. And it's so bad in those. You actually like, you know, they'll get to the semis, and Michigan State will lose, and they'll be like, "Well, that's good. We get another day of rest." You know, like we can get home, and we, you know, like they won't even care. And so in this thing, it's the same thing. This is the first week. Now you could have your conference championship games and then have an eighteen playoff, but. I do think fair criticism is we don't want to keep adding games to, to the kids. So you get rid of that. And if you look at this year, you would have um, – and even the Big Ten championship game, three straight years, that game hasn't mattered. 
it, it doesn't matter. We already knew who won, and they didn't advance. So this year you would take – if you looked at the – Well, here, I'll, I'll give you yeah, exactly okay. what you're – I wrote it down. See, right, I, I prepare for this stuff. Unlike Rose over there at the sports no, game, right? Eight Washington against number one Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, in Tuscaloosa is the key. And number seven UCF at number two Clemson in Clemson. Number six Ohio State at number three Notre Dame in South Bend. How's that one? I like uh, even that. Even a Michigan man. No, I'd love to see that, that game. Be a fairly interesting. It would be great because game. Ohio. It would be nice <laughs> to see somebody other than Michigan get screwed in uh, in Notre Dame Stadium. And number five, Oklahoma, at number four, Georgia, in Georgia, in Athens. Right. So that would be your first round of the playoffs. That's your first round I don't of the see a problem. And you use home field. You reward the teams who get to the top four with a home field game. You reward the top two teams with easier opponents. Okay, great. Is UCF not, not ready? Fine. Clemson deserved to get to play them, or Alabama gets to play Washington in that good. That's your reward for getting there. We do this in every other sport. The home field, you get, you bring, like, what's the best part of college football? It's the football, but then the stadiums, the game day environments, the campus. Nobody sits at Michigan Stadium and says, boy, I wish this was in the Alamo Dome. I wish I had spent <laughs> 1500 bucks I w- and I, flown down there. I don't even like the hot dogs at the Alamo right. Dome. <laughs> <laughs> You got to eat Mexican if you're going to go to ask. I'll take a burrito, but don't give me a hot dog at the Alamo Dome. Hot dog burrito. Um, Hot doggio. You got to have a hot doggio. No. You bring that in. The money stays on campus. Okay. The towns that support college football all year round get all the hotel. Like, what would these games mean? These are huge economic events for, for these things. But it's then you have that weekend. That's your weekend. It's the most exciting weekend we've ever had in college football. Bar none, not even close. And we get all of that rather than what we really had uh, that week was one game. Alabama against Georgia was a great game. But Alabama could have lost and still made it. And Georgia ended up losing. And then they got in a big argument. Like Ohio State's game never stood a chance. The Big Ten's left out. The Pac-12's left out again. We the, the the Notre Dame's in it, but everyone else is in the same little geographic region, basically the southeast. It's Oklahoma and the teams in the southeast, and you you create a much better, more profitable, more equitable, and and then like the Big Ten race matters, the Pac twelve race matters. You the championship game of the Pac twelve would have been the week before when Washington and Washington State played in the snow. It was a fantastic game, and we people would have watched more. Because that's the game. Who wins gets in the playoff. Devil's advocate. You talked about how the money stays in the communities. Uh, the bowl games that are later, uh, they're playing bowl games that basically are bowl games for television only because nobody goes to watch them. Right. And those communities enjoy what they get from television and, you know, from the bowl game. And yet, you know, I think there are too many bowls. You got six and six teams making a bowl game, which I don't think is right. How do you, you know, kind of get that in the in the same mix? Do you limit the number of bowl games? Where do the four winners go from your well, first? Your I would, first I would keep it on campus again, but if like the NFL, I would just go campus sites until the until, winner until of the the, Super the winner. You, you go until you go to the final championship final game. You and set then that you, up. It's a big event. It's a big uh-huh. party. That's how I do. But if you could keep it now, you want to do two bowl games. That's fine. What you can't make people do is continue to travel, 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 travel. And and even these conference championship games, you have to spend a lot of money. You got to get to Indianapolis. So you can drive it, but you got a hotel. It's a big thing. You just play it on campus. The campuses are great. 
Uh, I don't care if they play six and six bowl games because either you just just don't watch, right? So I mean, they're not <laughs> nobody's breaking into your house. No, I, I, I get it. I so get it. whatever, you have the game, uh, but it really wouldn't change any of those games. Those games are watched because people are gambling, and and there's diehard fans that'll watch anything and just say, "Hey, college football's on Saturday," and you'll be watching some bowl game in Shreveport. But for the rest of the time. The you just create you're really all you're doing is getting rid of of conference championship games which are anticlimactic, you know don't mean as much. You're replacing them by more valuable, more profitable. So you got to handle the money. This is college sports, okay? Got to have the money. The money's bigger, the excitement's bigger, the uh, and the stakes are higher. Do you bid these games out to the networks because the money could really go hundred million dollar game? I was going to say the yeah. games could really go. Big time if you bid them out to the networks, Fox, ESPN, and everybody else. An existing contract, you'd have to kind of change that whole gotta, deal, too. you got to get organized. But, yes, you would you would let just the same way they did with the playoff. Yeah, ESPN. If you're sitting there, okay, so you go to that weekend. So let's say you play Friday night, you play one game, and you play one, 4.30, and 8 on Saturday, yep. and that's your day. And you're watching those those games. And so your final two, you know, you start with – Okay, maybe you start with UCF at Clemson on 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 Saturday at one. Well, that's actually a pretty interesting game, especially if UCF's in that thing. Exactly. But then all of a sudden, bang! Okay, we're gonna go to we're gonna go to Ohio State at Notre Dame late afternoon. Unbelievable football game, and we're gonna go Oklahoma Georgia. Instead, we had Oklahoma Georgia argue with each other and play. You know, it's like let them play each other and figure it out. It it works. It's I've written the same thing, and and I actually had a story today in the Athletic about how you know there's. There is a lot of people, even Barry Alvarez and Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner of the Big 12, like some of the kind of old guard guys that would not naturally uh, approve of this. And I always think Alvarez is kind of Delaney's spokesman. Uh, so I found that to be pretty interesting. Yeah, and, and the other thing about it too is is that uh, you will get, if you want to go to this system, uh, Big 10 and Pac-10 people who say, yeah, that doesn't sound too bad because that would put – at least one of their teams probably in the mix, which they haven't been the last couple of years. And you could – how about playing a, a, a December game where one of these Southern teams has to come up here? Oh, that, that, wow. that's what Bo, I mean, Bo always used to – yeah, Bo always used to say that. Don't, I don't want to play Florida State in September. I want to play Florida State up here in November. Now, this year it would have worked out Notre Dame's hosting Ohio State. Right. Imagine if it was Georgia. And they got to come up here in the cold. Yeah. Did you see? Did you see? They, uh, they act like you can't play football <laughs> under forty degrees. You know, I'm like, really? If you watch the Patriots or the Packers ever, or the Steelers, like, yeah. yes, you can. You can do it. Uh, did, did you see the Big Ten? Delaney even mentioned something about you know we're gonna have to relook at how we do our playoff system and maybe we just do seedings. Right. You know, well, where, I would get rid of divisions. Right. In each each conference, but they've had so much trouble with that. Though, you know. They had the, the the division name thing was but first they still had divisions. and then they had division. Then that, now they go east and west, uh, and have the east is graphic welfare. Yeah, I mean we know the east is going to be better always. I mean you can say Nebraska used to be good, but Nebraska had, does not have the resources. It doesn't have the inherent built-in advantages to be as good as Penn State. Penn State has a ton of players in Pennsylvania. Nebraska is like two division one play like. It doesn't work. You get get rid of the divisions. Obviously, you keep your your must play games. Michigan has to play Ohio State and has to play Michigan State every year. But then you it, it, the the schedules get evened out. You don't have a team like Northwestern. I mean, look, great great job they do. 
they lost all three of their non-conference games, including one to Akron, and they're in the Big Ten title game. Now, that's kind of how it works, but again, this is we've become college basketball's title game. It's a fun week. College basketball's championship weekend is fun. You just turn on TV, there's basketball, but it doesn't mean any, you wouldn't sit there and say, hey, this is, let's not have the first two rounds of the NCAA basketball tournament. Let's have this. Let's be frank. <laughs> it's a money deal. It's just a money deal. That's all it is. All right. We're talking Bulls. Let's talk Bulls. Uh, coming up, the Bulls coming up. Uh, two best Bulls, obviously, Clemson, Notre Dame, Bama, Oklahoma, right? Yep. Um, what's more, in- what's interesting after those? I mean, are there, to you, any interesting bowl games? I kind of like the idea of Ohio State, Washington yep. in the Rose Bowl. I think that's going to be interesting because, Washington plays some defense. I don't know whether they can stop Ohio State, but that that one t- to me is interesting. The other one on down the road, Miami, Wisconsin. This goes to your point about Wisconsin playing cold weather. Miami comes up and plays in New York, it's in Yankee Stadium, in right? Yankee yeah, Stadium. Yeah, yeah. That one I think is going to be fun. I think Wisconsin is going to kill them. And um, I, I, other than Penn State, Kentucky, I I don't know of any other ones that really. You know, float my boat. Other than Michigan, Florida floats my boat because I'm going to do the game right. and I like it. Even though that's three years and uh, three times they've played in the last three years, I just don't know whether I like anywhere that. else on the on the docket there's a bowl game that you could really sit down and say, "Boy, I'm going to sit down in front of the TV with my nachos and my beer, and I'm going to be ready to go for three and a half hours." I mean, the Rose Bowl is the Rose Bowl. You got that time slot and all that. Here's what bothers me about these things is. Okay, these games are kind of under assault. People are less excited. You look at this Peach Bowl, okay? Michigan, Florida. That should have been UCF versus Florida, okay? That's, imagine if Western Michigan won 25 consecutive games, all right, yeah. and was beating everyone, and, and they got their one shot at Michigan in a bowl game. That's how big that game would have been. Instead, these guys are so – it's so established. Oh, now we're going to end up – we can't. We got rules. We got this, and so you get Michigan. Michigan could be playing LSU. Great game, right? Why didn't they play that? Uh, U.S. UCF against that's, Florida. Uh, you go on Orlando talk radio. You get quite a conspiracy theories. Florida is ducking them. I don't make it happen. They have well. There's a this this bowl gets this pick, and Michigan will bring more fans. Like, come on, man, give me the UCF Florida game. Like, you know, just think that's your shot. You're Western Michigan. Western Maybe Michigan they should... had that great year. Oh yeah, okay? yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine if they had gotten a good Michigan team that year in the big bowl game, it would have been the biggest thing in Florida. Instead, uh, we can't do it. We can't. That's what drove me crazy about the bowl games as a little kid. I used to watch it and go, <laughs> Dad, why is that team playing? Like, this doesn't make any sense. And he'd be like, I don't know. You know? <laughs> why don't they let the fans decide? Put out a questionnaire. What would be your, your, your best Peach Bowl right. matchup out of these six teams? And the one that wins, they put it out there. Because fans pick better games than the other guys. Yeah, they're all because they're all about. Well, we got this hotel to sell, and we got this one, and I mean, this thing would have been perfect. UCF versus Florida in 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 Atlanta, because there would have been some serious hate. There would have been little brother, true little brother, big brother. It would have been great. Um, but I do like the Michigan Florida game. I actually like UCF against LSU. I want to see if UCF can in, and I do Texas Georgia's. That's that should be a very good game. Those are two good teams. Yep. But you oh. know, the best bowl game just happens. Yeah, well, no, okay, I know. You're sitting around on December 28th, and you and the TV's on, and all of a sudden the, the, there's a 48, two 46 teams, with the two minutes to go, and snowing in yeah. Boise, and you're like, "This is a great game." Yeah, that's why you watch them yeah, all. That's right. why they. That's that's I think maybe why the money's there because they yeah. watch them all. All right, uh, I think we've uh, we've done enough damage to college football. All right, <laughs> now 
I want to talk to you, and I laid off this when when I did my, and I know we're going really long here, and they're already mad at me. But let's talk about podcast. You're not supposed to have. Roles. I know we don't have time limits. Yeah, no rules. Um, because you're available to talk about this stuff because you know the Detroit Lions. You live here in the community. Yeah. Okay. Five and eight. They're going nowhere. Could still go to the playoffs. Three percent. Stop chance, it. Brandon. Just stop 3% it. Stop chance. it. Stop it, Dan. <laughs> Dan. Your Box credibility. Stars, baby. You know, Box I'm going to send stars. you back to the sports cave if you keep this up. <laughs> Here's the deal. Yeah. You got to look at 2019 now, don't you? Of course. So. I I'm a Stafford a I'm a Stafford guy. You you cannot get rid of that guy because if you start over with somebody new, five and eight might be good. No, there's who do you start over with? Well, that's what I mean. Who are you going to start over with? Give me a name. No, there's nobody. Thank you. So you gotta you can't get rid of him where there's so many people that want to. Look at Minnesota tried this and the, the exactly. yeah, eighty four. I was gonna say Kirk Cousins. Who do you think is the worst, the most disliked quarterback in the National Football League? Kirk Cousins or Matthew Stafford? Yeah, Kirk Cousins. Because and then they're like, we spent eighty four million, and we owe, we got him for two more years, and he he can't throw the ball downfield. He won't throw the ball down. No, look, Stafford is he's not the solution right now um, that he that he could be, but he's not the, necessarily the problem. Uh, that offense now looked horrible Sunday. Um, you know, and people are like, they need to tank. I was like, I think they tried. <laughs> I, 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 well, what indication do you have that they weren't trying to tank on Sunday? It's just Arizona was better at it. So Arizona was awful. That was an awful I, football know, game. And I made a point. I, I, Unless you know, you're a fan of offsetting penalties. Yeah, well, uh, I'm a was, fan of, I'll tell you who I'm a fan of. <laughs> I'll tell you who I'm a fan of. Larry Fitzgerald. Well, he's a good player. Yeah. Well, but he's out there with a team that can't, you know, move the ball across <laughs> the street. The ball. He's... You know, he is. And yet this guy is out there trying and playing right to the bitter end. So I give Larry Fitzgerald a lot of credit for that. But the whole question back in is, is okay, you got on Johnson, good draft pick. Uh, Ziggy Ansah is not going to be around. Yeah. So your needs now, as you go forward, are huge. You you that you I mean is Nevin Lawson the other corner opposite you Darius Slay? They they the problem with Detroit is okay, the te- teams in the NFL go up and they go down, right? You get a bunch of picks, you had your you have your moments, you get good and then all of a sudden you're bad again. The problem with the Lions is they had their good teams. 14, 15, 16 uh you know, they got in the playoffs twice. They blew one year. Even last year they kind of blew with some you know, just different things happen. The the was the Rogers was the Rogers Hail Mary last year or two years ago? I can't remember. It's two years ago. Two years ago. You know, things like that happen. Unfortunately for Detroit, their up years uh, yielded them not much, nothing. <laughs> two two playoffs. I, I was there for yeah, all those know, up years. Okay, Dan? those are the up Be years. careful now. We're going back to the but sports cave if you keep this to, up. It's time to 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 bottom out. You need you need. Did, so so you're you're of the opinion, okay. They don't fans, have good okay, fans, get ready because in the next three years, it could be worse. Yeah, and here's the other part of that. You, what are you? You're wasting Matt yeah. Matthew Stafford's career. Yeah. Now, if you could trade him for a bunch of picks or something, but I uh, and just totally, I'm I'm, a, I'm at the point where I say never get rid of him. You know what? From Matthew's standpoint, I like the guy, oh, and I nice, think he's, he's busted nice guy, his yeah. his fanny it, it, for this franchise as best he could. Nobody's got an arm like him. Nobody's made some plays like he can. What I don't like is that people are saying, oh, he's not a winner. He's not a leader. Do you remember? You you certainly do, and you'll remember the game better than I do. But there was a game where he got injured. His arm was hurt. It was early in his career as Cleveland. Yeah, that was And he threw, a, he threw a touchdown pass with his arm, his left arm dislocated. Yeah. Or shoulder. Came back in. Came back in after they called a timeout. 
and threw a touchdown pass to Brandon Pettigrew, as yep. a matter of fact. And they had him on tape, on sound. And and this guy wants to play and wants to win. Always. So Matthew he works is, hard. Yeah. Never. He takes the heat. Yeah, never he complains he does about that. the city or he the franchise. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, where do you go? I mean, where do you start rebuilding? I mean, is the offensive line there? I mean, they went they went with Wagner in a free agency. They got Taylor Decker. They go Frank Ragnow in the first round this past year. Uh, they got on Johnson. But Golden Tate's gone. Yeah. Kenny Galladay's your number one guy. Yeah. No, I'd worry about the trenches right now. I yep. think you want you want your defensive line. You need you need an edge rusher in the NFL these days. You need a lot of press corners. And don't you need outside backers too? I mean, they need everything. Yeah. Wow. What do you, I, I just <laughs> no, 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 I no. Like I'm not. Team. I'm not. You know what? I I I got to tell you, I put my list down here about where do you need. I went defense, safeties. Is is Glover? I mean, Glover's not having a great year. Is he done? I mean, it, uh, is the gas tank kind of empty on Glover? Ziggy's hurt all the time. He's see, gone. I think you're looking do you go two with Nor- years out. Yeah, but you go with Nevin Lawson. That means, you, is he that corner? I think Nevin, as tough as he is, might be a better nickel than he is at uh, every hey, down corner. I wouldn't. I don't have a problem with the best available defensive player, particularly on the line. I think Ziggy Ziggy's not going to be there. So, but your outside linebackers: Devon Kennard, Christian Jones, Calvin yeah, Shepard. Yeah, that's not going to get it done. And so, so you need one. You need one of those, need right? One of those. You need you need probably an edge rusher. The key, the key to any professional organization is the quality of your draft picks. If you pick players that make it, you're going to be good. If you pick guys that don't make it, you aren't. And if you look at the history of these teams, that's it. Because you can get your number one pick, but if you have a bunch of good players from two to four in those rounds, yeah, that's your team, right? Now, the one guy, if you're in the top five, you got a chance at a Pro Bowler. Or an all pro six to 10, you know, the, the odds start dropping, but you need guys that are on the roster playing. And that's the same in basketball. It's, it's how, how, you, if you miss on draft picks, and that's what Quinn has been some good, some not so good. He needs a lot of players. They need, they need like a draft that they get five, six guys. And if you have that, now all of a sudden you say, oh, okay, maybe, maybe this isn't as glaring of a problem. We didn't need to waste a one on an outside backer. Uh-huh. We got a good player, you, but you need a lot of guys, and they don't have a lot of guys. <laughs> That's Dan Wetzel. He is the guy that has the cloud hanging over the Detroit Lions for the next yeah. five years. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate your opinion because you know what? As I looked at this team and I see where it's going, I see kind of the same thing. And that's tough. I'm a longtime Lions guy. 31 years before this year, I was yeah. broadcasting their games, and you were always hoping that 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 day would come. And you don't like to see it go away, or you don't like to see that chance go away. And last year when they got rid of Jim Caldwell, and maybe that was the right thing to do, and they hired Matt Patricia, I kept telling some people, I said, this is like that definition of insanity where you keep doing the same thing and expect different results. Yeah. There's, a, there's a process involved where you get better, and you get better on the field. Coaches sometimes can't do it. Rod Marinelli was well-respected by everybody in America. Every coach in this league thought this guy was the sure thing guy. And yet he came into Detroit and had an 0-16 season. Yeah. There is no secret answer. The secret answer is in the players that you have on the field that compete. Got to make smart picks, and then you got you to it, make it work. Because you watch, it's, it's fleeting. You look at the Eagles. You know, they win the Super Bowl. They're, what, 6-6? Six and six? You know, and it might not probably won't make the playoffs. Look at Almost the Bears. Every year, the one of the two Super Bowl teams doesn't make the playoffs. Now, and that and that's even with the Patriots usually making the Super Bowl and then making it again. Right. So the stats are like it's not on you. Jacksonville AFC Championship game last year. 
They got th- they're the worst team in the league. They're not they're not the worst, but they're in the Arizona, top five. Arizona, Arizona, and the, the Niners and Oakland. But they're in the yeah. bottom five or six. Yep. They were a fourth quarter Tom Brady, uh, ten point. They had ten points on him, two touchdowns. He had to score, or they're in the they're in the uh, Super Bowl. Absolutely. Okay, this is one of my favorite parts, and I'm going to pull it off with you. We do a we what we call a shot clock. Shot clock. All right. Okay. We do a lot. We do topics. And then Here's you the go clock. quick with it. Okay. And I can join in if I can want. You hit the or if you, yeah, I, well, I don't hit the buzzer. But if you say something stupid, I get to say you're stupid. All right, that's good. Okay, here we go. Sounds like shot clock. Like... <laughs> shot clock. Uh, and basically, this this gets started on current events too. The other night, there's a call in the uh, Seattle game where uh, Wagner jumps over the line and blocks yeah. a field goal attempt. Wrong call. Officiating in the NFL. I don't think it has been at the the top level that it needs to be. True. True statement. What? I don't, yes, that was terrible. That was the whole game. But I. But but I as mean, bad is this... as that, they were going to get a 15 yard penalty. They were going to get to the 14 yard line, and Minnesota, even with Kirk Cousins, could have scored a touchdown, won the game. The whole game changed. How do you miss that? But it's not just that one call. It has been oh, league wide, game wide, right? I, I get that pass interference is very difficult. Uh, so I sometimes give them a break on that. But that play in particular, particular was brutal. In my opinion, officiating in the National Football League is hurting the game, and I don't think the NFL knows it. I don't think either. I, I, I watched that game. I'm not a Vikings fan. I'm not a Seahawks fan. I am literally just watching. I go, that's the whole game. They blew the whole game. Well, and you said one and other. the announcers don't talk about it. You it's, said one other thing about officiating, which makes me go crazy, is that the game has to have a flow. You have to have a certain sense of this is happening, this is going on. And you said in the uh, Lions game, offsetting penalties. Offsetting penalties. I mean, talk about a game killer. <laughs> There you go. Okay. With all that being said, salary cap is going up. Is the league in good shape? League is in good shape again. Yeah. yeah. Why? Ratings are up. Revenue. Why? Up. Why? The games are pretty good. Remember the shot clock. I get to do this. Play. You got to answer. Games are pretty good. Hey, Thursday night we have Chargers Chiefs. Right? No, no. Chargers. Uh, who are the Chargers playing? They're playing someone good. It's a good game Thursday. There's a lot of good Chargers Chiefs the last Thursday night. Yeah. There's a lot of good games. The offense is interesting. There's a ton of good young quarterbacks. The politics are kind of out of it. Everything's going pretty well for the league right now. Okay, let's go to college. Are players playing or opting not to play in their bowl games because of professional possible commitments? Uh, I totally get it. Um it's, you know, this is you go to college to, to make a kid a career. And uh, I think once Christian McCaffrey did it, it, it changed the dynamic because you had the uh, – there was a lot of criticism early. But then you had the, the, the white kid from Stanford. His dad's an NFL player. And they're making a business. And all of a sudden the floodgates open. And now you, you can't – and I remember talking to him and he said, hey, it's not even that I would have got hurt like Jake Butt did or, or Smith down at Notre Dame. It's I get five weeks ahead of time to start prepping for the combine, and I'm trying to become a you know. So it's hard to fault anybody for that. I I, I miss it, but you know what? It can make these bowl games a chance to play your young guys, especially with the redshirt rule. Right, right. You can red, you don't you don't if you play a, a freshman QB hasn't played. Let's see what he does in the bowl game. Kind of makes the game interesting too. I said it's the world we live in. Yeah. I mean, times change, things change, money changes things, and it's just the world we live in these days. And ultimately, college is where you prepare to go on to your next career. And these kids have just decided to take it a little bit day earlier. Even in my heart, and I said this earlier before you got here, that in my heart, I would like to go play that last game with that last class that I came in with. But I get it. They may regret it, but 
it's that's the t- it's a tough decision. But man, if you're on that b- border, you, you know you can prep. If you're here for the, you're so close now to the NFL. Uh, you know, and again, those five weeks of healing and resting for the combine, which is now taking on this, it's the NFL's own fault. Yeah, you know, like they they made this thing into this huge deal, and it's like, well, if I if I just twist an ankle, I get banged up, I can't start that prep. So it's a big deal for these guys. Okay, Harbaugh, he's taking a lot of heat after Ohio State. Warranted or not? Yeah, seven million. You got to win some games. Yeah, he wins ten. He doesn't beat Ohio State. So that's they that's the Notre criteria Dame. now. I remember you get, Lloyd Carr no wait, time out, time out. I'm not teams, done. Three. I'm not done. Now wait a minute. I'm not done. So you win ten games, but you don't win Ohio State. The seven million, you're overpaid. Like. Of those ten wins, nine of them they have. They, Wait a minute! Know, didn't Michigan State? Didn't fight. Penn State? Didn't Wisconsin count? Wisconsin counts. Penn, Penn State, State didn't counts. count. Penn State counts. So eight. Okay, Michigan State They're didn't count. This year. But that's a rivalry game. Uh, you haven't beaten Seven. them, right? Seven. Oh God, I'm going to get you down to six here pretty soon. They're three and two. Northwestern didn't mean anything. That's a team that goes to the Western Come Championship. On. They I'm asking you, you know, but now, two. but, but, but yeah, okay. I agree that Jim's got to beat Ohio State. He knows that everybody else does, but there is nobody else out there that checks the boxes that he does as the Michigan head football him. coach. I didn't say fire him. What did say you say? I, said, I know. Yeah, you get your heat. You're getting paid seven million. You went three and two. College football. It's like it's the same with college basketball. You can just run up these records. Like Jim Beheim every year, right? They never believe Syracuse. They just play like <laughs> Buffalo Community College, and it's like, oh, I'm 18 and 0. It's January 1st. Hey, look, I got a thousand wins. Of course you did. You scheduled all those victories. That's just how college football works. Lloyd Carr said it all the time. It's three games that matter here: Ohio State, Michigan State, Notre Dame. You went one and two. But you don't even play Notre Dame every year. Well, he did then. <laughs> he did this year. Well, let's rewrite he history. Yeah, year. he did this year. He did. Yeah. He went three well, well, I'm sure there was a year that Lloyd I'm didn't play Notre Dame. Michigan. Michigan defeats Indiana. I'm sorry. Look, I'm not, not I didn't talk about ovation. Indiana. I'm not talking about oh, let's Indiana. Let's look at the ones. You want to talk about all the good ones. Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan Great. State. Three wins. Great. They lose on the road. Who else they play? You were there. I. They played Northwestern on the road. Oh, Northwestern yeah. proved to be a pretty tough team. Okay. I mean, I was, hey, I'm they sorry. won the West. They beat Iowa. They beat Wisconsin. You got Iowa. Northwestern's a Nebraska's big win. Nebraska's horrible. So that's what four. these other non-conference? They played. Who'd they play? They were, they uh, SMU and. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, SMU. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, I forgot SMU. They got a great receiver down there. <laughs> they got one guy. Yeah, yeah, he can play. One guy. That's good. <laughs> All right. I think I'm done with you, and our 24-second clock is over with. Dan Wetzel, I can't thank you enough for coming by and Anytime. being a part of. Uh, Appreciate it. Being a part of the program today, the Brandy Show. Right. You had more fun here today, didn't you, did. than you I'm did on the sports game? Salmon cave? drip. No, it's salmon dip. The salmon, salmon dip. Salmon it's a good dip. dip. Don't forget the pistachio. Pistachio is the key ingredient. All right. Thank you very Thank much. You. That's Dan Whistle, everybody. Make sure you read his stuff in yahoo.com. And he's on Twitter at Dan Wetzel. He's the national columnist for Yahoo Sports since 2003. Thanks for being with us on the Brandy Show. Don't forget to tune in on Saturday, December 29th from Atlanta. It'll be myself, Dan Deardorff, John Jansen, and Doug Karsh at the Peach Bowl, Michigan versus Florida. That's a noon kick, so it's a 9 a.m. tailgate. 
11 a.m. pregame, uh, 12 noon, high noon, toe meets leather. Be sure you're there. News Radio 950. If you come across our Facebook page, Jim Brandstatter76, we'd love it if you liked it. Follow us on Twitter at Jim Brandstatter. Make sure to tune in to Inside Michigan Football Sunday after the Peach Bowl game. We will have our final Inside Michigan Football show where we will recap the Peach Bowl game. Special thanks to Podcast Detroit for the technical help each week. Thanks to Zing Media Group's Kathleen Stevens, our producer, Alexa. And, Adriana, it's good to have you sitting in, along with my bride, Robbie. It's great to have you all uh, with us. Uh, We'll be back with another podcast, probably all the way up until Super Bowl time. But right now we're going to take some time off. Hope you all have a great holidays. Thanks for being with us on The Brandy Show.